What's up, everybody? If you are hearing this, my rig is working. Those of you who follow us on YouTube, my computer crapped out last week. It's still in the shop. So I have a backup computer hooked up to my phone, to my iPad, so I can get this information out to you. I found this very uh, important here. So I wanted to get this out as quickly as I could. Obviously, if you were hearing this but not seeing it or seeing it and not hearing it, it didn't work out the right way. If you are listening and watching, everything worked out. So here we are. The Twitter files. How Twitter rigged the COVID debate. From the free press, David Zweig. Thread number one to 41. The Twitter files, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy, by discrediting doctors and other experts who disagreed, by suppressing ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's own data. So that's a problem. So here we go. That was, num that was number one. So you'll see i got to scroll up on my computer here. And my iPad separately because my rig for my camera is right in front of me, so it's hard to see. So thank you for enduring this podcast. File number two. So far, the Twitter file... Oh, I hit the volume button, didn't I? That got really loud, didn't it? Yeah, it's just the headphones. Oh, boy, that could have been bad news. So far, the Twitter files have focused on evidence of Twitter's secret blacklists, how the company functioned as a kind of subsidiary of the FBI, and uh, so, yeah, subsidiary of the FBI, and how execs rewrote the platform's rules to accommodate their own pro, their own political desires. Number three, what we have yet to uncover, what we have yet to cover is COVID. This reporting for the free press. Is a is one piece of the of that important story. Sorry, guys, it's small on the iPad. The United States government pressured Twitter and other social media platforms to elevate certain content and suppress other content about COVID nineteen. Internal files at Twitter that I viewed while on assignment for the Free Press showed that both the Trump and Biden administrations directly pressed Twitter executives to moderate the platform's pandemic content according to their wishes. That was number five. Oh, went a little bit too far there. Number six. At the onset of the pandemic, according to meeting notes, the Trump administration was especially concerned about panic buying. They came looking for help from tech companies to combat misinformation about runs on grocery stores, but there were runs on grocery stores. In a snippet here, the Trump, admin, the Trump White House, specifically Mark Cradio, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, led the Trump administration's call for help from the tech companies to combat misinformation. Areas of focus included conspiracies around 5G cell towers, runs on grocery stores, and misinformation that could stoke panic buying and behaviors. So remember, Trump got a lot of flack for not taking the pandemic seriously. Well, here it looks like by design, he was trying to make sure anyone looking for him, for leadership, so to speak, saw it was calm, collected, no need to panic. 
So that was his approach, and you could see it here through the Twitter files. They wanted the same thing and tried to get social media to, you know, work with that. Number seven, it wasn't just Twitter. The meetings with the Trump White House were also attended by Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and others. Uh, Another snippet here. Twitter, alongside several other tech companies, including Google, Facebook, and Microsoft, participated. Activities included a standing standing weekly call to share general trends and hosting a Microsoft Teams group. Some of the companies, not Twitter, gathered open-source information from researchers. Our teams fed this information to Twitter policy enforcement teams. Okay. They're playing along to begin with. That's all Trump stuff. So they're all meeting together trying to get Trump's information to calm people down, make everybody make sure there's no panic. Uh, number eight, when the Biden administration took over, one of their first meetings, one of the first meeting requests with Twitter executives was on COVID. The focus was on anti-vaxxer accounts, especially Alex Berenson. So we've talked about Berenson before. He's oh, hundreds of thousands of followers. And he was putting out a lot of information about the do's and don'ts of COVID, what could potentially happen, you know, lockdowns, all that stuff. So Biden comes in. His first thing is to go after anti-vaxxers. In the summer of 2021, President Biden and social media companies were uh, said social media companies were, quote, killing people for allowing vaccine misinformation. Berenson was suspended hours after Biden's comments and kicked off the platform the following month. So Biden comes in, says, uh, social media, you're letting people, you're complicit in murder, so to speak, by letting these people say what they want. Number 10, Berenson sued and then settled with Twitter. In the legal process, Twitter was compelled to release certain internal communications which showed direct White House pressure on the company to take action on Berenson. And here, and then they have a, a Slack account here. How was the White House? Cross fingers emoji, apparently. Overall, pretty good. They had one really tough question about why Alex Berenson hasn't been kicked off the platform. Otherwise, their questions were pointed but fair. And they said, luckily, they had answers. Let's get here to number 11. December 2022, summary of meetings with the White House by Lauren Colbertson, Twitter's head of U.S. public policy, adds new evidence of the White House's pressure campaign and cements that it repeatedly attempted to directly influence the platform. Number 12, Colbertson wrote that the Biden team was, quote, very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming multiple accounts. They wanted Twitter to do more. In a snippet here, the Biden team was not satisfied with Twitter's enforcement approach as they wanted Twitter to do more and deplatform several accounts. Because of this dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction, We were asked to join several other calls that were very angry in nature. So they're telling Twitter how to run their business. They better, you know, fall in line. Number 13, Twitter executives did not fully capitulate to the Biden's team's wishes. 
an extensive review of internal communications at the company revealed employees often debating moderation cases in great detail and with more care than was shown by the government toward free speech. So it looks like Twitter was like, listen, we got some stuff out here, but let's not get carried away. These are just people talking. And the Biden administration was like, no, 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 no. Let's crack that whip. Let's shut them down. So it looks like Twitter almost had a level head in the beginning. And the Biden administration said, no, we're not having it. Number 14. But Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors and scientific experts. Uh, My baby just ran in here. But Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors and scientific experts, that conflicted with the official position of the White House. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded the public debate went missing. Bro, if that line doesn't piss you off right there. Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors and scientific experts, that conflicted with the official position of the White House. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded the public debate went missing. Bro, like... You know, if I was one of these dudes like Steve that gets all worked up over this kind of stuff, I'd be pissed. I'm very perturbed. Don't get me wrong. This infuriates me. I'm not going to lose my mind over it, but this should really piss you off. In the very beginning, all, all we wanted to do was ask questions about what's going on. And we could have got so much more information. Instead, we got nothing. We got censored. That's a, that's a problem, bro. That's a big problem. That was number 14. So let's see here. Number 15. There were three serious problems with Twitter's Twitter's process. First off, much of the content moderation was conducted by bots, trained on machines learning AI, impressive in their engineering, yet too crude for such nuanced work. So AI bots were going through with a few keywords, checking for misinformation and going from there, or what they deemed as misinformation. Second, contractors and places like the Philippines also moderated content. They were given decision trees to aid in the process, but tasking non-experts to adjudicate tweets on complex topics like mitocarditis and mask efficacy data was, excuse me, mask efficacy data was destined for significant error for a, for a significant error rate holy crap talk about error rate you think i never read a word before to clarify that they gave this to people in the philippines probably the same people who answer your internet and cable tv problems they had their their decision tree where if you mention this in twitter they would see this and this answer dictated these two answers. And if one of these two answers were here, you have to read these two answers. So they were given a set of information to look at. So fact checkers, so when they're talking about independent fact checkers, they outsource it to a group of people in a, in a giant call center, my guess would be, and gave them, if these words hit this, you got to read these answers and so on and so forth. These are the fact checkers, people. The same ones that piss you off when your internet stops working. Bro, look at me starting. Third, number 17. Third, most importantly, the buck stopped with higher level Twitter employees who chose 
the inputs for the bots and the decision trees and subject and subjectly and subjectively decided escalated cases and suspensions as it as it is with all people and institutions there was individual and collective bias so again sorry for the choppiness the third problem is the executives at Twitter, though those with political agendas, those who are in line with the Biden administration, they set forth what the bots and the decision trees that the contractors looked at. So they picked the words that were going to get triggered and get you suspended. So there was a bias there. With COVID, the bias bent heavily toward establishment dogmas. 19. Inevitably, was that dissident, descendant, inevitably, yet legitimate, uh, descendant, yet legitimate content was labeled as misinformation and accounts of doctors and others were suspended both for tweeting opinions and demonstrably true information. So these people, because the government said, hey, don't let these certain words, these certain topics in, you had actual doctors and other professionals tweet their opinions, true information, and were shut down. Remember all this trust to science? Well, all the scientists, all the people who were on point, who knew what was going on, they were told, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to talk because you go against our agenda. Where we at here? Number 20. Exhibit A, Dr. Martin Kaldroff, an epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School, tweeted views at odds with U.S. public health authorities and the American left, the political affiliation of nearly the entire staff of Twitter. So all of Twitter staff is left. He's tweeting views that oppose their thoughts. The original tweet was, Dr. Koldruff, do you think younger age groups and or people who already had the virus need to be vaccinated? I am not an anti-vaxxer, but I am vaccine hesitant about this one. It seems to be a religious mantra now that everyone must be vaccinated. The doctor's reply is, no, thinking that everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID vaccines are important for older, high-risk people and their caregivers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor children. That's what his reply was. 21. Let's get this up here. Internal emails show an intent to action by a moderator saying, Kaldorf's tweet violated the company's COVID-19 misinformation policy and claimed he shared false information. Hi, team. Sending a heads up that we will take action on Martin Kaldorf, a professor at Harvard Medical School, for violating our COVID-19 misinformation policy, specifically by sharing false information regarding the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine, which goes against CDC guidelines. So they say this, a professor at Harvard Medical School, the guy teaches at, a, at Harvard's medical school, says, no, man, kids, don't worry about it. If you've already gotten the infection, don't worry about it. If you're high risk and you're, you're elderly or you're taking care of somebody, yeah, go get it. Thought, regular thoughts, professional thoughts, censored. Number 22. 
but Kaldroff's statement was an expert's opinion, one of uh, one which also happened to be in line with vaccine policies in numerous other countries. Yet it was deemed false information by Twitter moderators merely because it differed from CDC guidelines. 23. After Twitter took action, Kaldroff's tweet was slapped with a misleading label and all replies and likes were shut off, throttling the tweet's ability, throttling down the tweet's ability to be seen and shared by many people. The core function of the platform. Bro, like this is... Yeah, if you see it here on the video, they get the misleading learn why health officials recommend the vaccine for most people. So they didn't they didn't delete him. They just said this is misleading and, you know, they shut him down essentially. That tweet was not allowed to be shared by anybody. Number 24. In my review of internal files, I found countless instances instances of tweets labeled as quote misleading or taken down entirely, sometimes triggering account suspensions simply because they veered from CDC guidance or dif- or differed from establishment views. Number 25, a tweet by Kelly KGA, a self-proclaimed public health fact checker with 18,000 followers, was flagged as, quote, misleading and replies and likes disabled, even though it, even though it displayed the CDC's own data. Okay? She was put as misleading for quoting the CDC. Here's the, here's the tweet here. She replied to somebody, What an excellent example of cherry picking. If you narrow it down to only the specific months you specify, which include the largest COVID wave seen across the world, and you ignore all non-disease death, and you ignore cancer, heart disease, SIDS, then COVID is, quote, leading. So according to this document she shared, or they shared, according to the document, if you pick a certain month when, the, when COVID really hit, and then you eliminate cancer, heart disease, SIDS, and only leave COVID, then your number one leading cause of death is COVID. That's what this person said. All they did was take the information from the CDC, Apparently, all the leading th- all the leading causes of death were cancer, heart disease, SIDS. COVID was apparently under that. Erase those top ones. Pick a month where COVID was the worst it could be, and bam, COVID's your number one leading cause of death. And she and the, and she pointed that out, and that got her hit with misleading. Unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. I'm, start- I'm starting to get worked up here. Uh, number 26, internal records show that a bot had flagged that tweet and that it received many tattles, what the system amusingly calls reports from users, that triggered a manual human, excuse me, that triggered a manual review by a human who, despite the tweet showing actual CDC data, nevertheless labeled it misleading. So a bot saw it, it hit a few triggers, made a a human person review it. They said, oh, yeah, hit the same triggers, misinformation. Even though it quoted the CDC, the thing they're trying to prevent misleading from CDC guidelines, they quoted the CDC and it was misinformation. Number 27, tellingly, the tweet by Kelly KGA that was labeled misleading was a reply to a tweet that contained actual misinformation. 
COVID has never been the leading cause of death from disease. COVID had never been the leading cause of death from disease in children. Yet the tweet remains on the platform and without a misleading label. So this person, whoever that, whoever Kelly replied to, said that COVID was a leading death in children. So she replied that if you take away all these things and pick this month, then yes, that's going to be the leading cause of death in children. And that information was let be, and the information with the actual fact showing that no, that person was wrong, that factual information was taken down. 28. Whether by humans or algorithms, content that was contrarian but true was still subject to getting flagged or suppressed. This tweet was labeled misleading, even though the owner of this account, whatever, a physician was referring to the results of a published study. And quickly here, below the first study I have seen showing that mRNA vaccines in young people ages 16 to 39 are associated with cardiac arrest, not just myocarditis. And then it has it has a list of everything of what's going on. So a published article, okay, a published article that there are more than just myo, my, myocarditis issues. Uh, no, false information, misleading. It's misleading. Even though it's published, even though it's a, in a medical journal, they're saying no, misleading. Okay. 29. Andrew Bostom, a Rhode Island physician, was permanently suspended from Twitter after receiving multiple strikes for misinformation. One of his strikes was for a tweet referring to the results from a peer-reviewed study on mRNA vaccines. Primary COVID-19 mRNA vaccination temporarily impairs semen concentration and total motile, motile, I'm saying it wrong probably, and total motile count among semen donors and apparent rebound by five months, but no data on boosting on booster effects. Does boostering yield another decline? So to break it down, you get the shot, your semen takes a hit, it'll bounce back at about five months, but if you get the booster, are you still going to have another problem with your semen? Apparently, asking that question got this guy suspended. Permanently suspended. A review of Twitter log files revealed that an internal audit conducted after Bostom's attorney contacted Twitter found that only one of Bostom's five violations were valid. They hit him with five violations. One, one was deemed valid. The Boston tweet found to still be in violation cited data that was legitimate but inconvenient to the public health establishment's narrative about the risks of flu versus COVID in children. So they kept the violation, even though it wasn't, they had a problem with it because it went against what the establishment said. U.S. and local Rhode Island, Rhode Island data Influenza is more lethal than COVID-19 in children, while COVID-19 causes, uh, vaccine causes serious morbidity than, in, than influenza vaccines in children. So the vaccines are causing a problem. He cited it. It's very small here, but I'm going to read it. Years administered, 2010 to 2020, 
vaccine-related hospital, vaccine-related total hospitalizations, 415. I'm going to assume that's flu because COVID wasn't here for 10 years. So 2010 to 2020, 415 kids hospitalized for vaccine-related issues. From 2021 to 2022, vaccine-related total hospitalizations, 1,790. Almost 1,800 people hospitalized in less than a year, 415 in 10 years. And this guy pointed that out, and they still, after the four of the five were taken away, they still said this was a violation because it went against what they were trying to put into the public into the public uh, eye there. Bro, don't get, yo, that's, I'm not going to get upset, but I tell you what, my kids will never, never take this freaking vaccine, bro. Never. Vaccine's a bullshit answer anyway. They will never take this shot. No way in hell. 32, that this tweet was not only flagged by a bot, but its violation manually affirmed by a staff member is telling of both the algorithmic and human bias at play. Boston's account was suspended for months and was finally restored on Christmas Day. 33, another example of human bias run amok was the reaction of this tweet by Trump. Many Trump tweets led to extensive internal debates, and this one was no different. Here's Trump's tweet. I will be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30 p.m. Feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some of the really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did in, I did 20 years ago. So we know as a Trump supporter, don't put your backing on this vaccine. It's not something you should be you know, putting your cap on or whatever the term is. But he is saying everything is good. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Don't be afraid. Live your life. Take precaution. Let's go. That's what Trump said. 34. In a surreal exchange, Jim Baker, who I've already done one or two Twitter files already where he's had a problem with shutting things down. This guy is the FBI mole, the FBI uh, informant or whatever it is, worker in Twitter, Jim Baker. In a surreal exchange, Jim Baker at the time of Twitter, at the time, Twitter's deputy, deputy general counsel asked why telling people not to be afraid wasn't a violation of COVID's misinformation policy. Are you kidding me? So to Yoel and Stacia, these are the people, these, these are the upper echelons of uh, Twitter. Why isn't this POTUS tweet in violation of our COVID-19 policy, especially the don't be afraid of COVID statement? Yoel's reply, Twitter's head of safety, trust and safety had to explain that optimism was a misinformation. Bro, I'm real. Listen, man. These people, if you don't think they had an agenda, this guy is saying, yo, why is he telling people don't be afraid? And Twitter is saying optimism is not a problem. Optimism is good. And they're pissed off by that. Here it is here. Hey, Jim, adding 
you to the mainstream thread on the subject. In short, this tweet is a broad, optimistic statement. It doesn't incite people to do something harmful, nor does it recommend against taking precautions or following mask directives. It doesn't fall within the published scope of our policies. Curious whether you have a different read on it, though. Bro. Remember the Kelly person with the CDC uh, data tweet? Twitter's response to her is clarifying. We will prioritize review and labeling of content that could lead to increased exposure or transmission. So they're saying because she said that it doesn't hurt kids, if it only is a leading cause of death in children, if you erase all the other things there are, they're saying we're going to prioritize that, review and label it as misinformation because it could lead to increased exposure and transmission. So you're essentially not scaring the kids and scaring the parents enough to stay home. It's going to lead to increased exposure and transmission. That is what they're saying. This doesn't scare them enough. We have to label them misleading. We need them terrified, so they have to stay home, bro. Here we go, finishing up here. Sorry to get a little worked up there. 37, Twitter made a decision via the political leanings of senior staff and government pressure that the public health authorities' approach to the pandemic, prioritizing migration over other concerns, was the science. Information that challenged a view such as showing harms of vaccines or that could be perceived as downplaying the risk of COVID, especially the children, was subject to moderation and even suspension, no matter whether such views were correct or adopted abroad. What might this pandemic and its aftermath have looked like if there had been more open debate on Twitter and other social media platforms, not to mention the mainstream, the mainstream press about the origins of COVID, about lockdowns, about the true risk of COVID in kids, and much more? Thanks to Schnellenberger, all the people who worked for the free press, and the team for their help in this story. An expanded version of this thread is on um, the free press. I'm going to go to the free press real, really quickly here. I'm going to see if I can pull this last part up and we're going to end it here because this is a very, in my opinion, he kind of summed it up there, but it's a little more detailed here that I found, um, kind of, uh, the kids outside playing basketball kind of important. Okay. So I'm going to read it right here. This is the last part. It's kind of summation of the article. In the end, let me make sure this is here. Yeah, here we go. In the end, it is equally the story of children across the country who were prevented from attending school, especially kids from underprivileged backgrounds who were now miles behind their more well-off peers in math and English. It's the story of people who died alone. It's the story of small businesses that shuttered. It's even the story of perpetually masked 20-year-olds in the heart of San Francisco for whom there was never a return to normal. If Twitter had allowed the kind of open forum for a debate that it claimed to believe in, could any of this have turned into turned out differently? Listen, man, I got goosebumps just now. And I'm telling you, I'm not one of these people. But that all the things that were affected, all of it, all for a political agenda. If you still support these liberals, you're an idiot. It tells you right here, they went out of their way 
to keep people in the dark. And, and people suffered, kids, families, everybody. Listen, man, you don't need to be a Republican, but right now you need to stay the hell away from being a Democrat. They are bad human beings, bro. Go check this out on Twitter. Twitter files from David Zweig. Go check out the free press. Follow us. We'll put a bunch of stuff on here. The video will be out. The podcast will be out. Listen, watch, subscribe, rate us five stars. Please, that's important. You guys have a great day.